the Super Bowl uh, party last weekend at our last Sunday at our house. It was great to fill the place up. A lot of you came, and we appreciate that. Uh, even though I don't know that any of our teams, I don't know that anyone likes the Chiefs or the Eagles, but oh, you do! Awesome. Well, good, good. <laughs> I'm from, or not from Kansas City, I've lived in Kansas City, so it's fun to uh, see them and see pictures of, you know, they have a parade and almost a million people turned out for that, and anyway, so it's fun to see your friends happy. Um, someday, Seahawks will win another Super Bowl one day, but anyway, so the Super Bowl was fun. Valentine's Day came by, we were thinking of uh you know, doing a series on marriage or just relationships, friendships in general, how to, you know, how to have, I don't know, successful uh, marriage, stuff like that. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'm basically the perfect husband to, you know, (laughs) train you in your marriage. So, you know, there should be a long line at any marriage conference that I do. No, just kidding. Uh, we will do we will do a series on marriage at some point. We just didn't get it uh, quite together for this week. Um, but I do have a tip for you, gentlemen. That you know, I, I'm pretty sure uh, this argument, or not really an argument, but discussion comes up every time of where you're going to go out to eat. Um, you know, uh, whenever we're choosing a place to eat. It's always up to me, you know, to decide, and, and I don't know, because, you know, she's not going to want what I want to eat, right? Whatever suggestion that comes up, we have this big, it takes us an hour to decide, man, and you think even in Carrington, there's not very many options, and we still sit there like, I don't know, Pizza Ranch, Subway, Highway Driving is a favorite, okay? But um, here's a tip for you, Okay? Uh, next time you want to take your wife out for dinner, you ask, guess where I'm taking you to dinner? And the first thing that she says, man, you got it right. Wow, that's exactly where we're going. <laughs> okay? And it will help you to have a successful uh, night out. Okay? <laughs> all right, all right. I did want to uh, just encourage you. Uh, we're going to read from, we're going to study from Romans uh, chapters 4, and we're going to try to tackle chapter 5 today as well. We're not going to go through every uh, verse of both chapters, but if you want to turn uh, in your Bible and follow along, uh, Romans chapter 4 is kind of in the back half of your Bible in the New Testament, kind of in this middle of the New Testament as well. Acts come, uh, Romans comes after Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I don't know if you guys are aware as you're turning there, uh, you see a lot of, uh, or maybe, maybe you haven't heard, but uh, there's a great uh, move of the, of the Lord at a university in Kentucky, Asbury University, and it's just exciting to see, uh, man, what happens when uh, it's, it blesses my heart because they're mostly college students that are uh, leading the way and uh, staying after chapel and just being in prayer and seeking the Lord and, and repentance and all that kind of stuff. And so it's awesome that 
Man, do you see what happens when you spend time with the Lord and you're open with Him? Like, man, we just we need you, God, and uh, He always shows up. And when they spend extra time not wanting to leave the presence of God, it's it's powerful and it's obviously um, uh, inspiring to others as people are driving there to try to uh, take it in themselves and. Other universities are, uh, are seeing the same thing. And so uh, it's powerful uh, just to see the uh, outpouring and the moving of the Holy Spirit um, in places like that and, and just around the country when you see, um, you know, when you see bad stuff happening. I don't know if anyone's aware. I don't know a whole lot, but the Grammy Awards were a couple weekends ago and there was some crazy stuff happening um, on live television there with, um, I don't even want to get into it, but it's powerful to see uh, the opposite, right? That man, when we uh, go after the Lord and just spend some time after a chapel, after a church service, and people, if you have Facebook or just look up Asbury University and uh, you'll see a lot of videos and just response of what's happening and People are out, they have church going on all day, all night, prayer and stuff like that. It's just powerful to see um, the hunger for the Lord and, and just the repentant heart of, man, I need Jesus. So I'm going to stay and, and seek him. And it's powerful to see that. So I just wanted to encourage you and, and just kind of address that. Uh, Romans 4 and, and 5 in the previous chapters that we've studied, Paul has taught on uh, the doctrine of justification by faith uh, without the works of the law. The, this was a very contrary to what the Jews had learned growing up in Judaism. We may think, uh, now that we've read Romans 1, 2, and 3, and he's still talking about it in chapter 4, we may think, man, Paul, we, we get it. Uh, let's kind of move on from uh, this topic. Um, but it was a big thing for those people, those Christians, and then the ones that have grown up in Judaism, it was big for them to understand. And so uh, in previous chapters, he has proven it by reason and by argument. And now in chapter four, he's going to prove it by an example. He's going to use Abraham. Abraham was a mighty uh, man of God and, and of uh, Judaism and just one of the, uh, we call him, he was called the father, uh, our, one of our, the main forefathers of the faith. Uh, God promised, we're going to look at that today too, of, uh, that he would be the father of many nations and his descendants would be great and many and so uh, he's, Paul is choosing uh, to use Abraham because Abraham was a man, a man uh, that had a great testimony and also was looked up to by the Jewish people for many years to come. Uh, Paul is writing in, uh, in Romans was probably in the 50 AD, 60 AD, and Abraham lived some thousands years before that his story is found in Genesis 15 so he was pretty much <laughs> at the uh, at the beginning of uh, life right 
And so Paul's audience has looked up to Abraham for generations and generations and generations. Uh, And even though these people uh, didn't know Abraham, they've had all of his um, life talked about, all of his leadership, all of his principles, everything is about Abraham. It's been passed down. I I would say the closest thing, uh, the closest example to kind of put it in for us to see today is that people look to Jesus now the way maybe the Jews looked to Abraham. Abraham wasn't God, okay? Jesus was fully God and human. Abraham was fully human, uh, but the people strive to be like Abraham, much like we strive to be like Christ, okay? Okay. Uh, we wear, not anymore, but there used to be a thing, WWJD. Did anyone wear WWJD bracelets? What would Jesus do? And uh, we look at ways, we study the life of Christ, what he taught, how he lived, and we want to be like him. I don't know, maybe the Jews wore WWAD bracelets. What would Abraham do? I don't know, probably not, probably not. But, uh, but they wanted to... Uh, be like Abraham. They studied, he was their, they were his descendants, um, not only physically, but of the faith. And so Paul is going to use Abraham's uh, life as a way to um, argue for this justification by faith without the works of the law. Starting um, in verse 1, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And then he quotes Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What did Abraham find? Verse 1's asking the question, what did he find? Well, he found righteousness. He found it through, not through his works, so he has nothing to boast about. But through his faith in God, God's grace. And again, Paul quotes Genesis uh, 15 to, to show us this. Verse 4, now to the one who works... His wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him, God, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Paul uses a little play on words here to help us define what and how uh, this is happening. When you're employed... Your wage is due or owed to you, right? It's not a favor you're doing. Uh, You can't work and earn righteousness in the same way. You put your faith in God and he credits you with righteousness. There's not enough work that you can do to earn it. We've kind of talked about that in the past couple um, uh, chapters. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip verses 6, 7, and 8. Paul quotes a psalm from David in in Psalm 32. Verse 9, he says, 
is this blessing then on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say, faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? And then he answers the question for us. Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. And Abraham would be the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. Okay, let's put this in uh, layman's term. What's going on here? What's he talking about? Paul observes when and why Abraham was thus justified. It was before he was circumcised and before the giving of the law. This is important, and we'll see why right now. Paul is bringing this point to the Roman Christians because, as we learn in chapter 3, the Jewish Christians were using circumcision as a way uh, to boast of their righteousness, I'm circumcised and you're not. So I'm going to heaven and, and you're not. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to be circumcised. No, 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 no. So Paul's saying, no, that's not what makes you righteous. That it made them uh, better than the uncircumcised Gentiles. Circumcision for Abraham was a seal. The word meaning a sign confirming or authenticating. Okay? Circumcision did not justify him, his faith did. But it was a mark that showed outwardly what God had done in his heart. Okay? You can't seal, you can't sign something until the covenants have been settled. Nowadays, I was trying to come up with a, a good enough illustration. This is the best I got. If you can. Uh, tell me something better, that'd be awesome. Okay? The circumcision was a seal of the work that God had already done in Abraham. Okay? It didn't do the work. When we go to get a passport or when we go to get something notarized, okay, and they put that stamp and it's, a, it's an official thing, that stamp didn't do the work. Okay, you brought the paperwork, you filled it out, you did whatever you needed to do to get that seal. Okay, the seal, the stamp didn't do, didn't make you uh, a citizen or give you uh, what you needed to do. It was a confirmation of what's already taken place. And so that's what circumcision, that's what Paul is trying to get here, that Abraham's faith and his, that was credited to him as righteousness by the Lord was done before he was circumcised. You guys understand? Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, verse 13. <laughs> okay, uh, verse 13. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise is nullified. For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there, is all, there also is no violation. Abraham was credited as righteous before the giving of the law. As the previous argument was against those who thought their righteousness came because of their circumcision, now uh, he's, he's, uh, Paul is arguing against the thought that righteousness comes through following the law. In addition to that, Paul's ad- also addressing the promise of Abraham, that he asserts that the promise came to Abraham through his faith not through his obedience to the law. What was the promise? One, that Abraham would be heir of the world. Uh, he had uh, very little of the world at that time in his life, in his possession that was actually his, um, but he inherited the land of Canaan, the best spot of the ground in the whole world. He inherited that. And indeed, many nations did come from him, his descendants, and all, that those, all those that would believe would be descendants of Abraham. He was the father of many. But the main point being made is that the promise was fulfilled because of his righteousness through faith, not because of the law he was following, not because of the uh, circumcision the law, he wasn't even, the law hadn't even been established yet when Abraham was credited with righteousness. It was uh, set forth through Moses later on. The meaning of uh, verses 14 and 15 that we read, if, if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there also is no violation. Meaning, If the Jews only, if only those who are under the law can be heirs, then faith is useless. And if faith is useless, then the promise uh, is made of no effect. And verse 15, the law brings wrath, meaning uh, those not obeying the law causes anger between them and God for violating his law. Paul restates it, Uh, differently. If there is no guidelines for living, if there's no rules, no morality, uh, then there's no violation of it. There would be a different type of wrath. There would be chaos across humanity if there was no uh, guidelines for living. If there's no rules, chaos would ensue. So the law is needed. Paul's referring to Moses' law, even though it, it causes wrath between us and the Lord. But righteousness doesn't come through that law. It comes through faith. Verse 16, for this reason, it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace. The first time we see the word grace coming up, it's a powerful thing. So that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. 
Grace is introduced as the way that God grants righteousness to those who believe. It is for everyone. It's for all of us. And it is the guarantee or the assurance that we are made righteous. God's grace is powerful. It turns the most hardened heart. It sets free the most bound sinner. The world's worst sinner, the most evil serial killer can humble himself and he can confess a a belief in Jesus Christ and God will extend his grace to that man and make him righteous. It's powerful. God's grace is so awesome. Uh, There's so many uh, songs written about his amazing grace, right? Probably the most, I would just say, the most famous uh, Christian song ever, (laughs) Amazing Grace, right? Grace. It's another characteristic of God that's difficult for us to fully comprehend, much like forgiveness and righteousness that we studied in chapter 3. How it's, it's hard for us to understand that God no longer sees the sin in a person's life and how we condemn ourselves hundreds of times for, for sins that we've already confessed and we've already asked forgiveness. God doesn't remember those. And it's hard for us to comprehend. How, how can a God, he knows everything, of course he's going to remember my sin. No, no, no. It's gone. Grace is probably just as difficult to understand. How can we extend to those uh, grace? How can we extend it to those who have hurt us? And even, they could even apologize to us and it's, it's hard for us to forget what they've done and we hold that against them. It's, it's grace that we need. And God's grace is so powerful and it's for every single person, no matter uh, what they've done. If they would turn to God and turn away from uh, all that they've done and they make that confession of faith, man, his righteousness is credited to them and they're set free and they're forgiven. It's a powerful concept, grace. Verse 17 uh, Paul quotes again, as it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him who he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Verse 19, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he will also be able to perform. Paul describes the power of God in fulfilling the promise that Abraham would have children and many descendants. God gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Paul says that in uh, verse 17 and 18. 
It's well known that Abraham and his wife Sarah were very old and barren. But God healed them of their inability to birth children. Whatever inside them that was dead or whatever was non-existing, Paul says, he healed them and he still heals today. Abraham had hope. Even though all hope had been lost, he still believed and the promise came about. Paul takes this portion of the letter to to declare that it was not Abraham's faithfulness or works that gained him the credit of righteousness. Rather, it was his trust, his faith in God alone. His trust in a God who would do what only he could do. It was precisely because it was humanly impossible for Abraham to have a son that his situation depicts the nature of faith. Biblical faith is trust in the ability of God to do what we cannot do, make ourselves righteous. Verse 22, therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, that includes all of us here today, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions was raised because of our justification. Paul closes out chapter 4 with an encouragement to all who believe, all who will believe, that's us, and the the future people who will believe that Abraham's justification was to be the pattern or the, the sampler of ours. We will be made righteous or we have been made righteous through our belief in Jesus being crucified for our transgressions against God. But praise the Lord, God didn't leave Jesus on the cross. He didn't leave him dead. God raised him back to life for our justification, Paul said. Powerful stuff. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the wrath that comes from Uh, not following or or disobeying God, not living for him, causes uh, a division between us and God. We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. This is a powerful concept for us to to get today. Let's focus here. Verse 3, not only uh, this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. What? We're supposed to praise God for his grace and and making us righteous and we exalt in in the hope of glory and we stand in the grace and, and glorify God for all the good that he's done in us, making us right. And now Paul's saying, not only that, but 
we also exalt him in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Man, this is a powerful uh, start to chapter 5. Peace with God. As explained earlier, the wrath that comes from sin is made into peace when we are justified by faith in the work that Jesus did on the cross. We have obtained grace, and this chapter introduces the Roman Christians and us today to the doctrine of grace. It is through grace that we have been saved through faith. Paul writes to the church in in Ephesus later on. This doctrine of grace. Paul says that uh, we should stand and we should praise God in the grace and we should exalt in the hope of the glory of God. It's, It's easy It's easy for us to give God glory uh, for the grace that he extends to us. And man, if we could think back on our life of, you know, all the mess-ups that we had, maybe whatever life was like before uh, we had a relationship with God. And it's easy to praise God and say, oh man, you, you made me righteous. You set my feet on the path, God, and I wouldn't be living. Some of us could probably say, I, I don't know that I would even be alive today if it weren't for God. And it's, it's easy to praise him when the things are going good, when our family is going, doing well, and the farm is producing, right? And Paul is saying, but in tribulation stand and give glory to God. In, in the tribulation, grace helps us to do that. God's grace helps us to stand in the midst of suffering. Your your version of the Bible and the different uh, definitions for some of these words, there'll be a slide on the screen here. That uh, we need to give God praise in the midst of our afflictions, our sufferings, our pressures, because we know that those tribulations, those sufferings, those afflictions, it brings about a perseverance in us, a patience in us. What I like about the definition of this word, the Greek word here, is it means an unswerving from our deliberate purpose and our loyalty to faith, even in the greatest of trials. You see, the tribulations, when we can stand through those and say, no, I'm not going to let them knock me off of my faith. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going and know that, man, hard times are going to come and Jesus is going to be there with us. His grace is going to help us to make it. It builds within us. It builds within our hearts, within our mind, our soul, an unswerving dedication to the Lord a loyalty to the faith, even in the greatest trials. This perseverance, this endurance, this willingness to keep going, it brings proven character. Proven character, a trustiness. Uh, One of the definitions says, a specimen of tried worth. 
meaning that when we've gone through it, and if we can persevere through it, if we can stay with the Lord through it, man, if we can keep going, if we can not let it uh, knock us away from our faith in Jesus, if we can stand in our grace and it'll prove our character within us, that we will be, uh, we will have a worth that's not based on uh, just maybe how good we look or how, uh, what we've done, but what we've made it through. And we can be able to share with others, man, I, I was down, but I wasn't out. Man, I, you keep going. And that God's faithfulness, his faith, and his grace uh, will be poured out from you through this character, through what's been built, through your trials, through your perseverance. This proven character, this strength of character brings hope. It's a joyful and a confident expectation of eternal salvation. It's not a, a weak hope of, and I, I hope my team wins. I, ho- I hope I have a good day today. I, I hope someone calls me. I hope in this or I hope in that. This is a, a deep faith. Standing in this grace through our trials and building our perseverance and our endurance and building our character. It brings a hope. It's a confident hope. That what we believe in, the righteousness that, that we believe is happening in us through our faith in Jesus, it's a confidence that we will see the end of it, the eternal, our eternal salvation. And Paul says, <laughs> this hope does not disappoint. Some of your versions may say, doesn't put to shame. Because that hope is true. That hope is real. We can have confidence, not flaky. Oh man, I really hope that there's a heaven. I I don't know. I hope that I've done enough. I hope I've been. Oh, if we have faith in Jesus and we know uh, we've gone through this, uh, this process, man, we've stuck with it through all that's come across our path and we've not given up, and we've pressed through and held on to the grace that God has poured out in our lives, we're going to see that hope. Hope does not disappoint because of the love of God that has been downpoured within our hearts. I love that. I love that word. The love of God has been poured out within your heart through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. The Holy Spirit's the third person of the Godhead Trinity. The Holy Spirit applies the work into our life that the Father and the Son have done. What a great, what a powerful moment in our lives when God's love, His grace is poured into our hearts for the first time. Oh, and we experience the freedom that salvation brings and that righteousness brings. When we look at uh, a little bit earlier, the, the introduction of grace, that man, God's grace is for every person. The most evil person can turn to the Lord and God's grace is poured out into their lives. It's the Holy Spirit that's given to them. 
The Holy Spirit is given to us at the moment of salvation to help us live righteously after we have been made righteous. Acts chapter 2 shows us the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is an additional work to salvation. And that's, and that's a whole sermon series right there of the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. But uh, uh, Peter preaches in, in Acts chapter 2 and tells the, the crowd that's gathered around them what, what has happened Man, and it's all because of Jesus' promise that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. I want to wrap up with the next few verses here. You've probably read uh, Romans 5, 8. Maybe you've had it memorized. Verse 6 says, For while we were still helpless... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. It's kind of a a picture just like Abraham. Abraham uh, wasn't circumcised first and then God deems him righteous. Man, his faith made him righteous long before the circumcision. For us, God doesn't wait for us to be uh, able to do things on our own. <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Let's go to verse 7. For, for one, will, a person will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrated his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we had done anything uh, to deserve it. While we were doing things that would, as humans, we would deem, oh, we don't deserve this. God's love was poured out towards us. There's not a certain amount of good that we have to be. We don't have to make ourselves right uh, before Jesus can die uh, for us. Jesus died on the cross while we were helpless, while we were still sinners, while we were doing our own thing, while mankind was turning against him. Man, it would be powerful to be at the cross that day, to hear the remarks of people as they pass by. But we still, we see it today and just the rejection of Jesus. It's so uh, blatant and and loud. (laughs) But God died for those people too. Man, and and the people that are sending out the messages today against Jesus, man, he died for them. And that's what grace is all about. Someday, Someday they will realize and turn to him. We pray for their salvation and for their soul. And when they do, man, thank you for God's grace that will impact their life. And he'll no longer see what they're protesting, what they're saying, what they're uh, yelling, what their song lyrics are, (laughs) what their message is. Man, he'll see grace poured out in their life. Unmerited grace. Favor is one definition of grace. 
Would you stand with me and ask the worship team to come? And I encourage you to read the rest of chapter 5. There's about 10 more verses. Kind of talks about our, um, the guarantee, the assurance that we have. God's never going to go back on his work. As much as we uh, didn't deserve his grace and as much as he did for us before, while we were still sinners, before we came to know him, man, he doesn't pull it out. (laughs) When we turn our backs on him, God is still there and his righteousness is still there. There's kind of the doctrine of eternal security that I was going to get into for a little bit that Man, once you're saved, you're always saved and God will never uh, turn away from you. And, and it's true. But unfortunately, we, can, we believe and our, our doctrine is that we can walk away and we can forfeit that salvation. We can forfeit that righteousness. But it, the guarantee and the assurance that Paul talks about in, in Romans is not a license for us to sin that, man, okay, I was made right, now I can do whatever I want because I'm going to go to heaven. No, if we do whatever we want, we're doing our own thing again and we're walking away from him. We got to stay on that path and God's grace is always with us. It's a daily thing. His grace is needed daily. And there's power when we can stand in His grace, no matter what we're going through. As we close today, there's so many different uh, ways that we can respond today. If you've never experienced the grace of God and the righteousness that's, that He gives to us when we turn to Him, man, today is your chance to confess your sins and your need for Jesus today, and God will give you His grace today. This can be your moment We can do that today. You can come forward when we begin to sing. I would be venturing to guess that most people uh, here have done that and that we're somewhere in the the process that was explained, uh, maybe the slide uh, before, that we're in tribulation and we're trying to stand and we're trying to hold on to his grace and we're trying to keep fighting in our faith Maybe we're in the persevering part where we've felt the, the temptation to give up and we need to keep going. Maybe we're in that part. Maybe we're in uh, the part where we've uh, trying to understand how this is helping us build character. Sometimes we don't get that. Man, we're going to stay true to the faith and we're going to persevere. I don't know what this is doing for me. And we need God to help us, to give us strength, to build us up to that. And maybe you need the hope. Maybe you need the assurance of your salvation. And that comes from Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit working in your life. If you've confessed your sins and you've been made right, man, you need help from God to understand the grace that's in your life, that you can stop beating yourself up over sins that you've already uh, asked forgiveness and God has already forgiven you of. 
Maybe you need that assurance and God can bring that to you today through the Holy Spirit working in your life saying, stop fighting. Stop bringing up the past. I've already washed away that sin and you can have hope of eternity with me. If any of that, if any of that is something that God has spoke to you about, I'd love to pray with you if you would come up to the front. And uh, while we sing this song, or, or just be in prayer where you're at, man, come talk to me uh, during the week if it's something that you're struggling with and need to process it. Man, please call and I'd love to pray with you about any of this stuff. So I'm going to ask the worship team to sing for a few moments. And if you would come forward to pray, uh, spend time where you're at, what you need, uh, what your response would be to this message. God, I pray right now, God, the life, and we pray that you would help us, God, each and every day that we would extend the same grace to our uh, people that would come across our path each and every day. God, help us to stand in your grace, not only in our, in our life and the good times of your righteousness that have, uh, we've been set free from our sin through your grace, but God, through the tribulations that they would bring perseverance, that would bring strong character, that would bring hope, God. Help us, God. Be with us this week. Pray a blessing over your people as we go from this place. God, that you go with us in a mighty and powerful way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace, stand in your tribulations, all that. Uh, remember, we're going to meet here in just like two minutes. If you want to go get your kids from Kids Church and Nursery, come back to the Fellowship Hall. We'll be there in just a minute.